Enlightenment Radio, Rupo VSOMU Svidu, Zed Vami 24 Godini Musiki, Prami Translacy Tarmishtisni Pied Devisan Harista Pied Kas Mishtagnoi Podrozi, Tokakom. are still upon you. Somebody's been in my studio monkeying with my microphone. Was that you, monkey? No. <laughs> I got a monkey on my back over here. Yeah, so, it's Enlightenment Radio, and we're hearing some different news today. You've been beating up Russia enough all week. We thought we'd give them a break. <laughs> they have got nothing to hold their head up for. They need to just go home. Anyway, my, this is your host, Mystic Guide. Our home is themysticalvoyage.com. That's where you can see what I am all about. It's actually my manifesto. My book is my manifesto. It's a book, and it's a living book, and it's in 3D. It'll transform your life if you ever get a chance to go over there and read it. Some people want everything audibly read to them now. They want to sit and do their nails and drink their wine and have the book read to them. Well, that's not one of those books. And you can find us on Apple and Android for the apps. You've also got that beautiful Internet that uh, Robbie has done so well with, the UkraineTheHeartOfHope.com. We've got many me and Dr. Evil on there specializing it. We've got recipes from Anna on there. I think she's about ready to add one more recipe today. Uh, she's getting a little powder on her tush. So um, then we've got uh, some news. I heard I got a pen pal. She's trying to get out of the Ukraine like a lot of people, and she's deathly afraid they're going to draft her into the Army, make her fight before she leaves, because I guess she has... A background in military. I don't know what that law curtails. I haven't found anything on it where they're going to force her to the front lines. I've just seen women who have volunteered or in the medical corps or that different areas, but they are out there fighting. I, I did not know that. I did not know you ladies were out there bearing arms. Man. So we got a story about that. I think I knew you were brave. I knew you had courage, and I knew you all gun ho for your country. And I think that's, oh, my God, I could not handle my wife or my sister or my mother out there on the front lines. I could not handle it. 
I just couldn't do it. But, you know, desperate times calls for desperate measures. Maybe I would. Maybe I would. I, my daughter out there, oh, my God. I just... And the women I've seen out there, they're not particularly stout or husky. They're pretty. They're nice. They're very... Uh, they speak a lot of English. Uh, well, anyway, we've got... Uh, Problems here on our home front. Man, these leadership here in the United States, there's so much corruption, so much money being... They go in these big dark back rooms and make deals, and then they come out and say, well, you're going to get this much money, and you're going to get that much money. That's what they're going to find out by tomorrow, how much money Ukraine's going to get, I think. Excuse me, we'll have a drink of coffee. Let's go to our first news today. It's uh, kind of the strategic news. I wish I had a map. We're going to have a map next week. Hopefully, we're working on this YouTube channel where you can see what I'm talking about, and you can also see it in Ukraine captions. We're working on it. It is a bugger to get it going. Here we go. Welcome to USS Global. The war in Ukraine between the defense forces and the Russian invaders is entering the autumn winter phase. The rains will start in the near future and Ukrainian troops are already being reformed. Due to the strategic offensive, some directions have been closed and the armed forces of Ukraine have switched to strategic active defense in almost every sector along the front line on the eastern front lines. Meanwhile, in the Kherson, Zaporizhzhia and Crimea sectors. Conditions are being created for the continuation of offensive actions of a strategic nature. Strategic successes, especially on the southern axis, are bringing Ukraine closer to Crimea step by step, and there are already daily reports of explosions on the peninsula. Ukrainian forces are stepping up attacks on Russian military targets on the peninsula, raising alarm bells in the Kremlin. These attacks are often against Russian naval assets, strategically important points, or logistically important centers. Let's take a closer look at the offensive offensives on the front lines and in Crimea. A new war map shows Kiev forces expanding their positions on the Russian-controlled bank of the Dnipro River in southern Ukraine. Ukrainian forces launched an all-out offensive on the left bank of the Kherson Dnipro and quickly breached the Russian defense lines. This breakthrough also opens Ukraine's path to Crimea. The Institute for the Study of War, a U.S.-based think tank, reported that Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations and made gains in western Zaporizhia and the eastern bank of Kherson Oblast. Kiev troops reached the occupied side of Dnipro in mid-October after extensive operations along the river. This follows Ukraine's successful liberation of the city of Kherson and the western bank of the river in late 2022. Russian military blogger Rai Bar reported last week that more teams of Marines have crossed the river to support Ukrainian troops. Geolocated imagery also published shows Ukrainian forces marginally advancing on the southwest corner of a solar panel farm near Pitstepny. At the same time, 
The images show Ukrainian forces holding positions in houses in Krinky. The footage also confirms a Russian mill blogger's report that positional battles are ongoing in Krinky and along the Pishchanivka Poima line. Also the other day, the Ukrainian army expelled a group of Russian infantry from their positions in the village of Krinky on the left bank of the Kherson region. During the retreat, the invaders were shot with small arms and then finished off by attack drones. The drone combat mission was carried out by the soldiers of the 35th Marine Brigade, who broadcast it on social media. As a result of the attack, 13 invaders fled into the forest, Ukrainian soldiers reported. The military said that the Russian soldiers were shot with small arms fire. Presumably, the Russian invaders tried to retreat along the road controlled by the Ukrainian machine gun crew and were immediately fired upon. The fighting took place in the village of Krinky, located on the left bank of the Kherson region. The village was occupied by the Russians in the first days of the large-scale occupation. It suffered after the Russians blew up the Kakhovka Dam in June 2023. Now the Ukrainian army is actively using various ammunition to destroy the Russians in this part of the Kherson region. Over the past few days, the Ukrainian army launched a major offensive, attacking armored vehicles and logistics vehicles of the invaders on the left bank of the Kherson region with drones and artillery. The main targets of the offensive in Dnipro are fortified positions with infantry, heavy armor, ammunition depots and trucks for transporting ammunition, food and manpower. Meanwhile, Russian forces continue to carry out glider bombing attacks on the west bank of the river. Over the past day, Russian forces carried out nine airstrikes on the west bank with 50 gliding bombs. Dnipro and its surroundings are dominating the fighting on the southern front, while the Donetsk region is very active in the east. Maps produced by the Institute for the Study of War show the Ukrainian advance as Russia tries to seize Donetsk Oblast in eastern Ukraine. Ukrainian forces advanced along the forest line north of Klishchivka, about 6.5 kilometers southwest of Bakhmut, which serves as a regional hub with highways leading to strategic towns in Donbass. As Ukrainian forces continue to advance, the Russians are trying to maintain their war effort to the east. Kiev counterattacked Moscow's advances near the railroad north of Avdiivka. Russian troops are also trying to advance under cover of darkness towards Ukrainian positions near Novomikhailivka. One such attempt was stopped by the soldiers of the 79th Air Assault Brigade. In this sector, the Russian command is experimenting with new tactics in the Donetsk region. Under the cover of dense fog, the invaders tried to attack the front-line positions of paratroopers at night. Ukrainian aerial reconnaissance teams timely detected the approaching Russian convoy and launched an attack. The Russians tried to reach Ukrainian positions with BMP-1 and converted MTLB armored personnel carriers equipped with an open landing compartment. The BMP-1 was equipped with the RP-37 UVM system designed to jam the radio control channels of mine explosive devices. The device generates broadband interference signals across the entire operating frequency spectrum 
effectively blocking control signals from the trigger to the actuator. The Ukrainian general staff also confirmed that the army repelled the attacks on the settlements of Marinka and Novomikhailivka. The Russian military command has long been trying to take control of the area from Marinka to Novomikhailivka. To do this, armored groups are sent to the offensive, often with losses. At the end of October, Ukrainian paratroopers defeated Russian armored vehicles advancing in the Marinka area. On the other hand, Ukraine has once again demonstrated its ability to hit distant targets in Crimea. According to the UK Ministry of Defense's statement in X, Russia will have to reposition its shipbuilding infrastructure. As noted in the report, a newly built Russian naval corvette was damaged in an airstrike while it was near the Zaliv shipyard in Kerch. According to British intelligence, the Askold ship, which was part of the Karakurt project and launched in 2021, had not yet been officially accepted into the Russian Navy. This incident occurred on the eastern side of Crimea, farther from the front line than most of the previous long-range strikes reported by Ukraine. Ukraine's ability to attack Crimea's shipbuilding infrastructure will likely force Russia to consider the possibility of moving further away from the front lines, which would delay the procurement of new ships. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian army continues to defeat Russian troops in the fighting. Ukrainian officials say that Russia has lost around 4,000 soldiers in Avdiivka. We know that the number of Russian casualties is growing every day. In the last 24 hours, the Ukrainian army reported that it had eliminated nearly 1,000 more Russian troops, destroyed eight tanks, 14 armored combat vehicles, 12 artillery systems, and six multi-barrel rocket systems as the fighting continued. In the last 48 hours, Moscow troops have lost 31 infantry fighting vehicles and armored personnel carriers, 30 main battle tanks, 26 artillery pieces, and multiple launch rocket systems and 19 tactical vehicles. The Avdivka clashes played a significant role in the sharp increase in Russian military casualties. At the beginning of July, the Ukrainian government's daily reports of Russian casualties ranged from 300 to 600 per day. Since the start of the Avdivka offensive, these daily figures have jumped to between 600 and 1,000. The total number of Russian casualties reported by Ukraine reached the grim milestone of 300,000 earlier this week. But Ukrainian forces are also suffering casualties in the fighting between the two sides. The 128th Separate Mountain Assault Brigade confirmed that 19 of its soldiers were killed in a Russian missile attack during an award ceremony near the front line on November 3rd. In sum, the ongoing war is aggravating conditions for both sides. However, given the number of casualties, the war is becoming a deep stalemate for the Russian army. This deep stalemate of the Russian army makes it easier to comment on the course of the war. For the Russian army, its uninvited stay in both Ukraine and Crimea is almost over. Thank you for watching us. So that's that story. <clears throat> it's not that I wasn't listening. I got distracted by a phone call. I got distracted by a by a, an excited co-producer who's got our uh, 
Ukraine language all figured out how we're going to do it. We're going to launch it next week. See what I tell you. There's somebody from, uh, that looks like uh, Biden's trying to get a hold of me. So there goes that one. So it's not like I can't multitask. (laughs) Yeah, let's just, let's just take a break. I love this song by, uh, where'd it go? I don't know. It did. Well, I'll play this one. I'm so excited about our new project next week. We can do this. We're going to be speaking Ukraine next week.
Okay, for our next story, the women in the military, the one I was talking about. This one I got to listen to. It's kind of hard for me to swallow, so to speak, but let's see what they have to say. They're very proud of their what they're doing. Al Jazeera Podcast. Starting from October the 1st, Ukraine's defense ministry has ordered women with medical backgrounds to register for military service. Women have been serving in the military since the beginning of the Russian invasion in February 2022. But the number of female volunteers has been comparatively small. 20 months into the war, Ukraine's initial pool of volunteers has been through the war machine, and conscription has become the norm. But even that still isn't enough. So now Ukraine is bringing more women, like Vitalina, into the fight. A young doctor cares for a baby just a few days old. But soon, Vitalina may hold the life of a soldier in her hands. She plans on volunteering to be a frontline medic in Ukraine's war with Russia. Vitalina wasn't always sure she would sign up to fight. But things changed for her after the death of a close friend. Now, with this new law, she's decided. All that remains is to tell her parents. I understand that the risks are quite high, but we live in Ukraine, and there is even a risk of dying here. No one ever knows their fate. I'm ready to take these risks now. For now, the mandatory registration for women applies only to the medical profession. And while there are no plans to go beyond that, it is something that could change the longer the war drags on. So, what does this law say about Ukraine's position in the war? And is it a sign of the changing role of women in Ukrainian society? I'm Kevin Hurton, in from Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. My life goes along with the state of news. The amount of news we live through every day equal to probably someone's one month's life or even longer. Katerina Malafieva is a Ukrainian freelance journalist who works with Al Jazeera and many others. November will mark 24 months of nonstop work, of being somewhere on the front line, traveling across Ukraine. We don't stop, apart from just covering the news, Um, Our lives are deeply affected by the overall situation, by the missile attacks. And uh, every now and then, um, in Kyiv, I can hear the explosions. And uh, there are times when you don't sleep properly. We caught up with her in her home in Kyiv, where she's taking a few days rest from all that work. At best, I stayed in this apartment uh, maximum three months in the past uh, two years. Wow. So... It's been quite intensive work. So the issue at hand right now, this new law has just gone into effect on October 1st, which states that all Ukrainian women between the ages of 18 and 60 who are doctors, dentists, midwives, nurses, and pharmacists must register for conscription. What is the thinking behind this law? So... As of 1st October 2023, all women with medical pharmaceutical specialties should register at the local conscription point. 
I should mention that this is not the novelty and this norm has been in effect since 1992. The majority of female doctors and female pharmacists are already at the military registration, but the Ministry of Health noted that for more than 30 years, the military registration of female doctors and female pharmacists has not worked properly. I just also want to emphasize that military registration is not the same as mobilization. That doesn't mean that women will be immediately sent at the front lines, but it would give the government more uh, understanding of who can be mobilized if need be. It's just to have the information, just to have the data. So what would be the benefit to the military to have access to these professionals? It kind of gives the government more leverage in recruiting more people for the army. Kind of gives them more possibility. If, if their interest in serving will drop, then these conscription points can recruit more people for the front line. So this is very good for the Ukrainian government to understand what women might perform when there is a need, for example, to form new brigades or to fill in the gaps in already existing brigades because of the losses on the front line, then uh, these female conscripts might be at service. Yeah, so it, it certainly feels like an escalation of a conscription drive that's been going on for a while now. Is this the logical next step to this all-hands-on-deck mentality that is there in Ukraine? Yeah, there are approximately 40,000 women that already serve in the army. And uh, I spoke to uh, some female colleagues who are serving in the army, and they believe that army has to uh, learn how to attract women because it is a matter of mobilization resources. Approximately 50% of the country's population are women. Some of them can and want to fight. A record number of women have already signed up to fight. There are 50,000 women in the Ukrainian military, of which 10,000 are on the front lines. After Russia invaded Ukraine in February, there was an increase in women volunteering to join the military. This is Exenia, who runs a nonprofit with her husband, providing equipment and uniforms for women. In the beginning, we had 30 requests per month. Now it's more than 50 requests per day. It can be for basic uniform, underwear, a bulletproof vest, or a helmet. And that also shows the changes in the mentality, military mentality, which, you know, army must break away from its uh, male-centric attitude because, as probably you understand, like everywhere in the world, the sexism in the army still exists. Does this come at a time when people are getting physically and mentally tired, where maybe support for the war is flagging ever so slightly? Indeed, uh, we started noticing more and more information about men who are uh, trying to escape the mobilization by paying bribes, uh, by uh, crossing the border illegally. President Zelensky has sacked all of the heads of military enlistment in each region right across the country. It follows corruption allegations. There are more and more news about the, the bodies uh, of, of men of being found in the river or in the forest when they tried to escape from being conscripted or mobilized. 
The beginning of the war in Ukraine was marked by long lines of men signing up to join, Katerina says. But those aren't there anymore. You, you don't basically see it visually, right? At the same time, when you speak to your male friends or colleagues, they understand that inevitably uh, we all will be serving. So they kind of um, accept this with some sort of doomness, yeah? They kind of, they know they're waiting for it. Everyone wants this war to end as soon as possible. It's not that they're just showing up at the conscription point and they, you know, show the desire to serve, but they say if the conscription paper will arrive, they will uh, serve their duty to the country. After the break, what this new law says about Ukraine's position in the war and how this could reshape Ukrainian society. Outrageous, and you think, oh my God, oh my God. But then there are legal peculiarities that shows that there is no like an imminent necessity to go and, and fight on the front line. So you understand that Ukrainian government is preparing for the long war. Yeah. And uh, these uh, professions might be a great need at some point. There is some sort of adaptation happened in the Ukrainian minds, in the minds of the Ukrainian population, that this war might actually take two or three more years. And uh, we are so adapted to live in this war that it's kind of inevitable. Because those who wanted to leave the country, they left. Those who decided, who made a choice to stay, they stayed. So if, you, if your choice is to stay in this country despite the missile attack, despite the blackouts, constant threat, if you decide uh, to work here and bring your kids, then it's uh, inevitable that you might, you know, sort of uh, on a front line. But for some women who will now have to register, this new law was not met with enthusiasm. It's not that I don't want to register. I am, by default, a conscript. But when I studied at university, they didn't teach us to be a doctor on the battlefield. We haven't studied it, and morally, I'm not ready for this. If the notice arrives, I will go. Katerina, is there a concern that there will be an, a renewed exodus of doctors, nurses, pharmacists, etc.? Again, it's a good question because with regards to women, it's very hard for the border guards to prove whether you have medical education or not because, again, there is no unified record of such women. So uh, technically, it's easy for women to cross. None of the border guards will be uh, pushing you to show your existing medical degree or pharmaceutical degree, right? So there might be some exodus of women, of such women. Another problem with regards to postponement of this registration, the law came in effect for women who received the medical degree after 30th of December 2022. However, most of the medical workers, uh, they work at the municipal institutions that belong to the uh, municipal administrations, and they are forced by this more senior people to register the conscription points. So that's why there might be a percentage of women who would take a risk to leave the country right now. At the same time, for the women who do serve in the military, their roles are evolving, including a friend of Katarina's who's now a drone operator. 
This is a woman with an amazing uh, life experience. She used to work as a journalist and actually um, she was an editor um, of the um, news media called Women Are 50% of Success, basically about female leadership. And at the start of the invasion, she joined the Territorial Defense Unit in Irpen, and then she moved uh, together with them to Kharkiv region and uh, Donetsk region. Pardon me a minute. I want to make sure. Does she say that it's dangerous for any woman to leave now? I want to, I want to make sure about this. This uh, has to do with several friends, so let me make sure what she said, okay? Mm-hmm. Pardon my interruption. Let's see what she said. Institutions that belong to the uh, municipal administrations, and they are forced by these more senior people to register the conscription points. So that's why there might be a percentage of women who would take a risk to leave the country right now. So what, 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 what exactly is the risk if a woman leaves the country now? Does that mean that she's already... Does that mean women cannot leave the country right now? What does that mean? Because there was a line of women a while back. That's not clear what she's just said. And I don't have any uh, information on that. I'm going to have to look that up. But you heard her very clearly. It could be dangerous for a woman to leave the country right now. Wow. Wow. At the same time, for the women who do serve in the military, their roles are evolving, including a friend of Katarina's who is now a drone operator. This is a woman with an amazing uh, life experience. She used to work as a journalist, and actually um, she was an editor um, of the um, news media called Women Are 50% of Success, basically about female leadership. And at the start of the invasion, she joined the territorial defense units in Irpen, and then she moved uh, together with them to Kharkiv region and uh, Donetsk region. Initially, she was uh, serving as an infantry person, just a soldier, and now she her military specialization is operator of FPV drones. And it was for me a very big surprise when she joined the army, because in my opinion, I thought that journalists might sort of uh, in a different way to the needs of the country, but that was her choice. And she's not alone. Women also serve uh, as snipers and as paramedics uh, on the front line. So she's not the only example. But of course, it was surprising for me this turn. We know that there's going to be more women joining the fight, but I, I really wanted to ask you about the women who stay behind because there are parts of Ukraine that are still very traditional, I know, but with so many men either away at war or sadly never coming back, women are stepping into the void. And you've been to all corners of this country and you've seen it up close. Can you describe what life looks like for some of these women and how a different life is for them now? There are women who left the country because they have kids and in their families they decided, you know, to... Not decided. It was not a choice. It's actually, it was a need to to be a breadwinner while your husband is on the front line. Because many men conscripted and mobilized, women had to take the male roles. So they are now there are now more women doing male jobs. We also see that those who returned from the front line, they have injuries 
and they have prosthesis because of the injury of the limbs of the extremities. So we understand that women will take more male roles as well as in the government. So it will reshape the society in the long run. Somebody needs to lead, somebody needs to govern and manage the society. And Ukrainian women, Katerina says, are up for the challenge. Ukrainian women are very strong. <laughs> there is no doubt in that. Ukrainian women are very strong. It's not very traditional society. It is a society that values the tradition, but it's not extremely traditional society. We understand that Ukrainian society is changing and uh, women will be able to fight. Those women who want to fight will be able to fight. It's, it's changing. Gender-wise, Ukrainian society is changing. We would see more and more women in power. One of the good examples is the recent assignment of two female deputy defense ministers. Last week, this is a huge change, right? Because deputy defense ministers are women. So it's, it shows more steps in gender balance, in accessing for accessibility of male specializations for women. It definitely shows that the war will last longer than we expected. Katarina, it, it sounds like you're describing the country has moved to another phase. People are reckoning with it, this idea that this is going to be a much longer conflict and that we're going to have to steel ourselves for a different type of fight, a much less tele, telegenic fight. we got to get ready for that phase, and, and that's going to be different. Is, is that right? What you described right now is actually my current state because uh, I feel fatigue uh, from this war. It's understandably Ukrainian society is emotionally and mentally drained, and the uh, overall geopolitical situation is looking not very favorable, but we are trying to prepare ourselves for this new stage. There, there is still patriotism, of course. It's you, you can't say that patriotism vanished. It's more you need to measure your uh, energy and measure your efforts because uh, it's indeed uh, a marathon, not the, not the race. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Faranisa Kampana and Khalid Sultan with David Enders, Amy Walters, Zaina Badr, Ashish Malhotra, Chloe K. Lee, Miranda Lynn, Sonia Bagat, Sari Al-Khalili, and me, Kevin Hurton, in from Alika Bilal. Well, that was an eye-opening report. Yeah, he's going through all of it. That's an eye-opening report to me. I'm going to look into that a little more, but right there at the end, he says, she said it's dangerous for a woman to leave now. Wow. Hmm. One more story, and we'll be through for the day. Notorious gangster and racketeer. And this is comparing, this is about the oligarchs comparing them to Al Capone and our mafia here, our gang here. Gabriel Capone, alternatively known as Scarface, Big Al and Snorky, which somehow was a slang term in 1920s America, meaning sharp dresser, wasn't eventually undone by his bootlegging activities or the St. Valentine's Day massacre. No. In 1932, he was sent to the federal prison in Atlanta, having been convicted of tax evasion. That, plus a diagnosis of syphilis, 
meant it was a pretty derisory end for the gangster once dubbed public enemy number one. listening to Enlightenment Radio along your journey for a purpose. To find your mission, travel to enlightenment-radio.com. There you will discover your highest spiritual path, then say goodbye to the Milky Way, where your new kingdom will be awaiting you. Here's the keys to Galaxy 9.
one famous song by YouTube, YouTube, my daughter's favorite group. I think I did not quite go off on YouTube like a lot of people did, but they are popular. Boy, when they show up at a concert, they uh, really knock the house down and they really bring it up. Uh, trying to find something similar. My uh, story seemed to uh, have gotten, uh, what do you say, uh, corrupted, so I can't play the rest of it. However, we are of the uh, ilk that we have troubleshooting is our name. <laughs> Troubleshoot. I just want to uh, give you all a bunch of kudos out there for hanging in there. Oh, there's a nice one. Enigma. Let's let her go. Except it's low. Why is it low? Yes. You are in tune to Enlightenment Radio. <laughs> That's one of my old shows. I got to stop that one. Ultimate knowledge of body, soul, and spirit. <laughs> oh, jeez. Gypsy Kings, Guns and Roses. That's just some Gypsy Kings. Soy un hombre muy honrado que me gusta lo mejor. A mujeres no me falta ni el dinero ni el amor. Tineteando en mi caballo por la sierra yo me voy. Las estrellas y la luna ya me dicen dónde voy. Ay, 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 mi amor. Ay, ay, morena de mi corazón. Me gusta tocar guitarra, me gusta cantar el son. El mariachi me acompaña cuando canto mi canción. 
Me gusta tomar mis copas, aguardiente es lo mejor. También el tequila blanco con su sal le da sabor. Ay, 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 mi amor. Ay, mi morena de mi corazón. tocar guitarra, me gusta cantar el sol, el mariachi me acompaña cuando canto mi canción, me gusta tomar mis copas, agua ardiente es lo mejor, también el tequila blanco con su sal de la sabor ay, 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 ay ay, ay, mi amor ay, mi morena de mi corazón Gypsy Kings, let me see what this one is. I th if this is what I think it is, it's funnier than hell. like some India rap. I'm 
Clap your hands from Pavrov Stellar. Wrong one. Come on, get with the music. There we go. Clap your hands. Thank you. 
that's Pavrov Stellar. Clap your hands. He's a little, what do you call, a retro? I call it Euro retro, retro swing, whatever, Euro swing. God bless you all. This has been your host, Mystic Guide. We will be back with you on Monday, hopefully, with the new rendition of Enlightenment Radio. We will get to see visuals. We'll get to see me. You might get to see the real me. And Ukraine language and captions so you can understand what the hell I'm talking about. Love you all. Come back and see us. Keep on fighting. You're the hope of the world right now. God bless you. Goodbye.